and it's the idea of moving from nearly product to experience and within that experience making it particularly with the younger generations who are looking for a meaningful a genuine authentic relationship you're listening to retail remix your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future here's your host alicia esposito hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of retail remix I'm Alicia Esposito, and if you had the chance to listen to last week's episode, you got to meet today's guest, Rob Garf of Salesforce. Sure, we got some lighthearted Q&A action out of him last week, but today we get a little bit deeper. During a conversation at NRF, we started out talking about holiday, some of the key trends and takeaways, but then we got deeper into some of the underlying issues happening in retail around brand trust, brand equity, and the reality that in order to be relevant today, brands need to stand for something. And Rob raises a lot of great points while also making connections between these underlying brand mission statements and the use of AI, personalization, and technology in general to amplify that mission and better connect with consumers. It's a very big topic, a, a bit overwhelming, but I truly believe it'll only become more important in 2020 and beyond. So listen in, and while you're at it, try and take a hard look at your brand and what it stands for. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time. My absolute pleasure to be here with you at NRF. What is this? Uh, how many... How many NRFs? 5,000. <laughs> it feels that way, right? <laughs> no, but it's 2020, very exciting time. Everyone's thinking about the future, new trends, imperatives for success. That's but right. Part of that means reflecting on what has happened. So sure. everyone's talking about holiday. Right. Um, so it's only appropriate that we start off talking about Salesforce's research. Let's do it. Yeah. So key headline here, holiday digital sales grew 8% globally and they reached 723 billion dollars. That's right, billion with a B, and that's globally. Yeah, globally. So let's dig into that sure. a little bit. Would love your take on how this compared to initial predictions from sure. Salesforce, because you guys are always keeping a pulse on what's happening in the commerce world, and also the distribution of the different devices, what that's currently looking like. Absolutely, yeah, so let's dive into it. You know, overall digital was a little softer in growth than we anticipated going into this year, right? So it was 8%, as you said, globally. And what we saw is almost a tale of two worlds. The first world was earlier demand. So retailers did a nice job of drumming up demand earlier in the season. They recognized the shorter holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had six fewer days. So they were really getting creative around their promotions, whether not just throwing discounts at it, because we've been in this game of discount chicken forever, but like cool things of flash sales and limited edition products and collaboration. So we saw a nice lead up of increases of traffic and then Cyber Week. Cyber Week was huge. So we saw 143 billion of sales. So that's about a 15% year over year, which is a, is a record. But what happened is going into Christmas, we saw a softening of revenue. And we attributed that to two things. Consumers, given the shortened holiday window and the shipping cutoff date that came earlier and earlier, they were doing two things, as I mentioned. One is they were just going into the store. They didn't have confidence that the product would get there by the time of the holiday, or they were buying online with the convenience 
and going into the store with the confidence. And that was important because it extended the shorter holiday season. In fact, our research shows at Salesforce that for those retailers that had buy online, pick up a store, they saw an 18% higher share of revenue for the last five days leading up to Christmas. So I'll pause here in a second, but it's also showed us looking ahead, the resurgence or the renewed relevancy of the physical store. It's not just about digital, it's not just about physical, but it's about weaving those together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that aligns really nicely with all the conversations and all the sessions at NRF and figuring out how to use digital as a facilitator of yes. the customer experience. So to that end, you know, we're always thinking about the role that mobile and social can play specifically yep. because they're not only super personal and intimate in, in the consumer's life, right. but they're right there On us all, all the, the time. time. They're yep. in your hand. It's they're a natural the remote extension. control of our daily lives right. at the end of the day. So, I mean, what, what's your take as far as, yeah. you know, how that space is evolving, especially because, you know, companies like Instagram slash Facebook, they're finding ways to turn that inspiration into conversion. Love they're they're, yeah. they're trying Let's to bridge that, that gap even more. Yeah. So let me hit that, but also go back, because I know in your initial question, you asked about the breakdown, and yeah. it plays right into mm -hmm. this as well. We saw over the holiday season, 52% of orders were on a mobile device. So we've hit that chasm, crossed that chasm of the halfway mark. It's been the majority for the last two years running, but that just tells us, as to your point, we have the phone on us. Retailers are finally breaking down the friction between the path to purchase, inspiration, and buying. What we also saw, which I thought was really interesting, and we talked about this last year, Alicia, is that our research at Salesforce showed on Christmas Day, so Christmas Day, we saw 80% of traffic and 65% of orders on the mobile device. So what this tells us is people are getting gifts, in many cases gift cards, they want to redeem them, the ease, the access, done with opening your presence, I'm going right at it. You don't have to open a desktop, you don't have to go in a store, many stores are closed on that day, but you have that ease and access. So that leads us to your point around how does social play into this? We're often checking social, just embedded in our daily lives, whether we're waiting for a train or when we get up in the morning or when we're on the couch on Thanksgiving, right? In terms of just taking a break from our family. And social is often the interface or what we want to have to distract us or inspire us. What we're finding is this idea of what we call shopping at the edge, and it really played out this holiday season. What do I mean by that? Well, retail for the beginning time was really about pulling the consumer to the retailer property. Those are the four walls and increasingly, obviously, digital as a facilitator and mobile. But now it's as much about pushing the brand to where the consumers are, and that's increasingly off of the retailer's property. And our research actually shows that 9% of digital transactions, 9% are happening on these emerging touch points. So whether that's social or messaging or voice or even gaming consoles, right? So today it's, as you mentioned, Instagram. It could be WeChat. I mean, that's huge in that's China, true. right? Yeah. And even YouTube, like sample size of one, but my 13-year-old son over the holidays bought a pair of socks that he learned about from an influencer on YouTube. I feel like in the future it could be TikTok or it could be. I was going to bring up TikTok. I yeah, was ask we'll you. talk about that. We were talking about that in the digital council meeting this conference, and um, even Minecraft. I'm reminded by my same son that I referenced before that Fortnite, by the way, I guess is not cool anymore. So I had to give the give the give okay. the nod to Minecraft is back after a little bit of a hiatus. So 
Anyways, I digress. But yeah, yeah. so beyond, you mentioned a really good point, which I think is valuable to talk about for a second, which is, okay, inspiration has been really the prominent use of Instagram and so forth, but now it's like the transaction happening there. And we see that, in fact, happening with some of that data that I just shared with you. Yeah, and I think, I think it's always interesting to see the creative approaches that brands are taking as well in order to create that richer brand mm -hmm. experience. So to your point, pushing the brand right. to where the customer is, but doing so in not an authentic way. Because there's, there's a balance, right? Especially right. through something like Instagram, which is so focused on authenticity and in the That's moment. Right. So I guess there's a layer of you know customer understanding, data, personalization, of course. So I mean, what's your take on how that space is going to evolve? You know, the use of content across yeah. digital channels, I guess, and what's really key for retailers if they're going to be focusing on that yeah, strategically? Yeah, really, you can't, you can't shout at the consumer. You can't just be an intruder in their personal space, and social is their personal space, or their friends, their family, you know, their network, people they trust, right? And I think a lot of it comes down to trust, and I'll get back to that in a minute, but, yeah, you know, we're seeing a lot, and I'm talking a lot of our executive clients about really the need to push, content is a broad term, but let's get tactical for a minute. Price, promotion, product images, inventory availability. And by the way, it's difficult enough to do that within the four walls of the retailer, right? They have enough time, enough difficult time trying to do that across their call center and marketing and store and site and everything in between. So now do that off of a your property into areas, these third-party platforms that you don't control and you don't manage, becomes really, really difficult. And so that's why I think we're seeing, or that's really the business case for this emerging trend of headless commerce. Headless commerce to me is somewhat of an amorphous term that can be defined in a lot of different ways, but if you step back, it's really about, again, this mindset of pushing your brand and doing it in an agile way doing it in a global way, doing it in a way that's very repeatable, because it might be TikTok tomorrow, but who knows what's going to happen down the road, and you won't have to recreate this and proliferate the already 39 disparate systems that are used to manage the consumer experience. But I think you hit upon something in terms of you have to do it in a genuine way, you have to do it in an authentic way, especially with younger consumers, and that comes down to two things, trust and understanding who the consumers are and listening to the consumers. You know, our research shows, again at Salesforce, that 79% of consumers are willing to share their personal data in exchange for curated and contextualized interactions. So, if that's not happening, they're going to go away. They're going to go to somewhere they trust. And Salesforce has also done a lot of research around, and thought leadership around the role and impact of purpose within an organization. I feel like that's really reaching a tipping point, an interesting tipping point in retail because brands could always skate by and you know not be too loud about anything or not have to say, oh, we stand by X or right. these are our beliefs. They had like a mission statement, but it was more around like the promise to the customer, not ultimately their values. That's right. So would love your take on how that space is evolving, especially through the digital lens, right? Because you know, you're talking about scale, you're reaching so many people right. globally, 
So, I mean, there has to be some nuance there in terms of how brands, I mean, establishing your mission and your values is one thing, but, you know, making that a reality through digital, I mean, what are the considerations there? Yeah, values-driven brand, definitely a big topic among yeah. consumers. It's something that they want to stand for. And it's the idea of moving from nearly product to experience. And within that experience, making it, particularly with the younger generations who are looking for a meaningful, a genuine, authentic relationship and really putting it on your sleeve. I know for Salesforce, our values are right out there at the forefront and we stand behind them before anything else, right? So that's trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. And I think retailers are recognizing that. There are some that it's just deeply rooted in their DNA, and I give them a lot of credit, like really a lot of credit for it. And there's some that have to come around and really rethink a bit of their culture, whether that is sustainability, whether that's equality, whether that's standing for another purpose. But back to your point around being genuine and trust, you got to do it in a way that means something and really represents your brand. And we're going to see that more and more, whether that's in the environment or it's equality or whatever else the company stands for and doing it in a way that your associates stand by it. And you know, with big skill gaps growing, particularly in data and data science skills and digital skills, it's increasingly important that your employees feel part of a company as well and can represent that. So back to your initial question as well, how do you deal that within digital? Well, I think digital just gives you a chance to be transparent. Retail hasn't been very transparent for many years because part of the business model is we know the price, we know the inventory, we know everything about the product, and you know what, Mr. Consumer, Mrs. Consumer, you don't. And that's changing. The consumers have way much more control than they ever had, as, as we should, right? I mean, just think about it, as you and me as people, we should have more control of our shopping experience over the data that's being collected. And so digital just gives the mechanism for scale and be able to make that happen. Right, and I think to your point around how empowered and knowledgeable consumers are, I mean, you and I, that's, one bucket. I mean, we're in the industry, we, we kind of know the inner workings. Right. But even my friends, my peers, I get texts sometimes saying, oh my God, I was talking to my friend about this and I just got a retargeting ad for them. And I yeah. was like, yep, they're listening. They're listening, <laughs> they're right, listening. exactly. So yeah. they're, they're more attuned, they're paying attention to when those things happen. Sure. And that, I think, makes the red flags raise a little bit, I think. They just know how these companies make money yes. and where the advertising dollars go, um, and you know how these firms are consulting brands. Right. So it's that balance of having that relevant conversation, creating those contextual experiences, right. but doing so in a way where there's a clear value exchange. And there's also, to your point, transparency around when and how those cases are going to happen, let alone the regulatory yeah. implications that are happening. Right, you know? I right, mean, that's right. a whole other ballgame. At least I really like your point around value exchange. There's something, there's something really there. Well, you know, while the shopper sees the journey as a cumulative experience, they're not getting up and saying, oh, I'm going to have a mobile experience. I'm going to have a store. No, they just want to get their task done, right? They just want to get something completed in a short amount of time, you know? So whether it's personalized, it's automated, it's convenient, that's all goodness for the consumers. But they do recognize, we recognize, we're all smart. We know we're leaving a digital footprint each step along the way. We're sharing valuable information with the retailer because they want something in exchange. Whether that's liking a social post and you're going to get better content or signing up for an email newsletter because you're going to get curated or timely and relevant 
offers, or even like putting a search term in a search box, which over the holiday, 30% of orders still came from somebody who went through search, you know you're going to get a more curated experience. But you know what, again, companies are, according to shoppers, according to our research and talking to shoppers, not holding up their end of the value exchange. We see while 73% of them expect companies to know their needs and desires, only 51% actually do so. It's so fascinating to me that this gap still exists because it has been such a headline in the industry yeah. for, I, I feel like, years upon years at this point. So, I mean, do you have insight into what that gap is or why it even exists? Is, is it a skills gap? Is it a technical gap? I mean, there's a lot of conversation around AI, the yeah. practical use cases, the value. I'm sure yeah. you have a viewpoint on that, but I mean, there are probably layers to this. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what are the key things that, that come up in your well, conversations? You know what? At the end of the day, it starts at the top. So yeah. there's a bit of a, a leadership, um, I'll say, mismatch or misalignment of priorities, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there's, by and large, a generation of leaders now that understand values are important. Investing, not to be on our heels, but rather to launch into this new decade and doing it based on values, understanding that technology is going to help enable that, understanding the importance, for instance, of the store and the store associates who are our biggest brand ambassadors. But we do need to untangle, we do need to untangle the technology. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned before, there's 39 disparate systems, according to our research, to manage the consumer engagement, so it's difficult. We need to unlock the data. We need to understand where the data's flowing around our enterprise. We need to make that data actionable, but we need to do it, as we've been talking about, in the context of trust and turning that data over to the consumers as well. So I think you know, the opportunities ahead of us, I think leaders understand the opportunity and they're focused on the right things. Let's dig into AI for a second, because sure. I feel like there were some interesting points that came up during NRF and in the sessions around the human component mm -hmm. of AI. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the industry is trying to mitigate you know, yeah. the ongoing fears around like, oh, robots are taking over. Right, um, right, right. It's more of a tool for empowerment, you know, for both the consumer and yep. even the in-store yeah. associate. So where do you think this is going? Do you think there's still going to be a bit of a learning curve around yeah. like the potential use case and getting people? I know, I know there are already retailers that are embracing it successfully. Yeah. But on a broader scale, what, what do you think is going to happen in 2020? Yeah, yeah. AI. How many times did you see AI around the booths around here? A lot. A lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah. So here's my take on that. Here's my take. So I remember doing a report as an analyst back in my AMR research days when you and I first met. Gosh, it's been a little while. So Let's not talk about it. <laughs> so <laughs> we were doing something on digitizing the store. I don't think I called it at that, th that at that point. But I got a call from the Wall Street Journal. And the question was, given all the investment in digital, whether it's signage or it's self-checkout or it's kiosks at the time, does that mean that there's going to be a decrease in the need for labor in the store? You know where they're going with this. Mm -hmm. I stayed away from that and I said at the time, and this is like just to put it in perspective because not everybody knows my career, it, it was like 15 years ago at this point. And I didn't take the bait and I'm going to say the same thing I said 15 years ago, which is it's about empowerment. You said it, right? And so the way we see this playing out with our customers is in, even over the holidays, we saw 10% of digital orders were, or included artificial intelligence driving, whether that's curated content, recommended products, or even offers, 
And so it obviously is having an impact, but candidly having that personalization on a website is somewhat table stakes at this point. Two areas that, that we're seeing, and it falls along the line of empowerment. Actually, the first one doesn't really. The first one is, <laughs> to be just really honest with you, is about pushing those curated pieces of content to third-party platforms because more and more of that both engagement and transactions happening off property. But the other piece along the lines of empowerment is pushing this data, pushing this intelligence down to the store. So getting it in the hands of the associates, not as a barrier with having a big piece of technology in between the personal connection, but we all know the consumer's already done a lot of research, discovery, been inspired, and knows a lot about what they want to accomplish. We need to put that in the hands of the associate. Store Associate continues to be our biggest brand ambassador. And by doing this is, it's changing the paradigm from a checkout process, which is really as much about speed and efficiency, to what I'll call a check-in process, which is about service and it's about engagement. And you can only do that with empowerment. Great, so before we close up our conversation, Rob, I've been asking a few of our guests so far around you know, what they believe to be the key imperative for retailers, or, or almost like a call yeah. to arms. Like if you were to say like one thing yeah. to the community around areas of focus, priorities, even something inspirational, I mean, yeah. what, what would that be? Inspirational, okay, we'll see. After a long couple of days at NRF, <laughs> I don't know how inspiring I could be. I'm gonna get pretty practical here, actually. And it it's really bears out of our holiday research in terms of we see the tide riding, rising excuse me, for both digital and physical. And we talk about omnichannel, so I'm not going to go there with that big amorphous term. But at the end of the day, how are we making shopping easier and more fun? And part of that, or a really big part of that, is bridging the divide between digital and physical. So I would encourage retailers to think about what's that handoff and how is mobile going to play a role. And I would use the use case of buy online, pick up at store. Fewer than, I don't know, something like 20% of, according to our research, retailers have buy online, pick up at store, but we still saw a disproportion of revenue being driven this holiday season by those that had it in those last five days leading up to Christmas. So while it's been somewhat of a nice to have, it's going to be an expectation going into next year. So okay, get the technology right, that's fine. But understand the implication in the store. What does that pickup process look like? And how can you capitalize on that? And how can you actually make it easier? I love it, I love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.